Well, this is our uh, fourth study in our series on the book of Proverbs. Uh, but to begin it today, I would like you to turn to Psalm 90. Uh, hold your place there and then think through some of these interesting thoughts with me that I came across this week. So turn to Psalm 90, hold your place there, and then I want you to think about a couple of these things going to share with you in just a moment. The population of the earth is about 7.8 billion people currently. However, if you were to condense that down to 100 people, just to make an easy percentage, uh, then, then this is kind of the way things would unfold in the world's population. Out of those 100 people, 11 of them live in Europe, Five of them are in North America, nine of them are in South America, 15 of them are in Africa, and 60 of them are in Asia. 49 live in the country, 51 live in cities. 12 of them speak Mandarin Chinese, five speak Spanish, five speak English, three speak Arabic, one or three speak Hindi, three speak Bengali, three speak Portuguese, two speak Russian, Two speak Japanese, and the other 62 have their own tribal or ethnic language. 77 of them have their own house to live in. 23 have no place to live. 21 are overnourished. I'm thinking that's probably talking about me. Uh, 60, 63 can eat full meals. 15 are undernourished. One ate his last meal but didn't make it to the next one. 87 have clean drinking water, 13 lack clean drinking water, or have access to a, a water source that is highly polluted. 75 have a cell phone, 25 do not. 30 have internet access, some places there are cell phone towers but no internet. 30 have internet access, 70% of the world does not have in online access. 7 received a college or university education, 93 did not. 83 can read, 17 are illiterate. 33 are some flavor of something Christian. 22 are Muslims, 14 are Hindu, 7 are Buddhists, and the other 24 have varying religious beliefs. 26, this is the thing that really was puzzling to me, an interesting thought. 26 or 26% 26 of the world's population lives less than 14 years. 66 or 66 percent die between the age of 15 and 64. If you are 65 or older, and I'm knocking on that door real closely, if you are 65 or older, you are in 8 percent of the world's population. So if you have your own home and you eat full meals and you drink clean water and you got a cell phone and you surf the internet and you maybe took a little bit of college education, you know you are in 7% of the world's population. So among 100% of the world, only 8% of them will live to be 65 or older. If you don't feel blessed, then you need to rethink some of that. Now I want you to read Psalm 90 with me. Just a couple verses. We will read the whole chapter. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter sometime. But look at the first two verses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And then look at verse 9. 
For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. And here's our verse, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days, Moses wrote this psalm, that we can apply our hearts to wisdom. We are weak, we are frail, we are mortal. We tend to think we're going to live forever. And yet this psalm reminds us that God is eternal, but we are not. So we should be applying our hearts to wisdom because, because nobody knows how long he has left on this earth. And if you make it to 65 or beyond, you are in 8% of the population of the world. Amazing. Which brings us to our study today in Proverbs chapter 2, if you'll flip over there if you would now. Proverbs chapter 2. We began our thoughts a few weeks ago with the words of Jeremiah 29, 13, where God says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so I have told you for the last few weeks, if we want to know the truth, it's there for the finding. If, if we want a deeper relationship with the Lord, we can have one. But it takes diligence and discipline and determination. It, it has to be a priority, not a convenience. And we will see this challenge laid out for us again here in chapter 2 that we've seen already. And we'll see numerous times throughout the book of Proverbs. We can get wisdom. But it doesn't fall out of the sky and knock us in the head as we're strolling through life. It, it is learned through the study and the application of God's Word. And remember that chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs record about a dozen lectures, we have called them, uh, teaching sessions on various topics, written as though a father is instructing his son on how to live a blessed and honorable life before the Lord. The teaching lectures here in chapters 1 through 9 prepare us to understand all of the Proverbs, the single standalone verses that start in chapter 10. They kind of set the stage. They teach us the values. They help us to develop the worldview that, that enable us to understand all of the Proverbs. Chapter 2 records the third in this series of lectures from Solomon. I'm going to divide this teaching into two different sections. One is, how do you get wisdom? And, number two, and secondly, what are its benefits? And so Solomon gives very, very clear instructions to answer these questions. How do you get wisdom? He gives us five means or five ways to learn wisdom. And I wanted you to read with me or follow along with me as I read the first five verses. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. We'll read the rest of the chapter in a moment. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5. My son, if you treasure, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Remember, according to 1 Kings chapter 3, that God has given Solomon wisdom. So Solomon is teaching his son what God has taught him. Solomon's teachings are coming directly from the teachings and the wisdom of God. And the first thing that he says is, in verse 1, is receive my words. I'm going to call that Bible intake. 
The, the Hebrew word here pictures reaching out to grab a hold of something, to open your hand to, to something, to, to sort of put out the welcome mat, so to speak, to open the door, to let your guests in. That's what the word receive means. And that's what we are to do with God's word. Open up to it and let it in. Don't resist. Don't bow your neck. Don't stiffen up. Put out the welcome mat for the word of God. And I'm calling this Bible intake because it's more than just reading. It's being open to what you're reading. It may also include hearing the word preached or singing the word and so forth. Are, are we regularly intaking the word? Is the welcome mat out? Uh, does our or does our Bible collect the dust all week until Sunday? It, well, if you want wisdom, uh, you have to have Bible intake. If you only ate once a week, you'd be in pretty bad shape real fast. And the same is true in your spiritual life. We've got to receive God's word. We've got to reach out our hand for it. We've got to lay out the welcome mat for it. We've got to say, Lord, I'm open to this. Show me what you want me to see in your word. Then the second step, or the second means of gaining wisdom, he says, treasure my commands within you. I'm calling that Bible memory. Because the picture here, to treasure something, it is to safeguard something very precious. Uh, to, to cherish something of great value. To put it in a safe for future use. To, to hide it away somewhere that you know you can get to it when it's needed. So you treasure God's commands. You see, if they're in your heart, then they're accessible all of the time. That's not a, certainly a new teaching in the Scripture. And if you've been around Whitefield Baptist Church for any amount of time, it's not a new teaching for me. Uh, we've spoken of it many, many times. Bible memory is such an important part of our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturity because we are putting the Word of God into our hearts. So we have Bible intake. We're reading the Scripture. We're open to it. We're, we're finding passages, key verses and passages, and things like, as in verse 5. You know, understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Well, what a great verse for us to, to, to memorize. And back in chapter 1 that we looked at before, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Many, many passages of Scripture that we need to memorize and put in our heart because being familiar with the Scripture and having it in our hearts is so incredibly crucial to our growth in wisdom and growth in the things of God. So Bible intake, receive my words. Bible memory, treasure my commands within you. And then the third means of gaining wisdom is Bible application. He says in verse 2, incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. In other words, what are we going to do with the information that God reveals to us? That is application. Hearing God's voice in the Bible requires more of us than other kinds of reading. It requires all of us. Reading the Bible properly means engaging every part of us. Reading and meditating and praying until God's words become pleasant to us. Which we'll see a verse in that in just a moment. And there's one, just an incredibly important principle, and I'm going to hammer on it here for about five minutes. And that is this, no one is delivered from sin and temptation simply by information. I'm going to repeat that about five times, okay? 
No one gets delivered from sin and temptation simply by information. In my ventures into the biblical counseling world, I've read a number of different articles of guys who've counseled for 30, 40, 50 years, have counseled thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and they always fill out a form, you know, what are the problems that you're coming to see me for, and what have you done about it? And so the person tells what their problems are, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, doing that, and, and this is what I've done about it. You know what 99% of them say? I pray. And I read the Bible. Oh, that's good. Nothing wrong with that. That, that, that. That's great. But that is only the first step. And if you don't go beyond that, nothing ever happens. Because no one is delivered from sin and temptation simply by information. A very close friend that lives in another state called me some a number of months ago having marriage problems and uh, struggles and various things, and they were going to go to a big weekend marriage conference. And I said, well, I've been to that marriage conference. It's a great conference. You'll enjoy it. It's wonderful. She was hoping that they were just hoping that it, that it would kind of fix their marriage. And I said, well, it ain't going to do that. Well, I just, it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be wonderful. So they went to the weekend conference. Okay, great. About a month later, I talked to them again. How's it going? Well, you know, for a couple of weeks, things were really going great. And, and now we're just kind of going back to, you know, everything that we used to be. And I just, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I just, I, I thought the conference was, was just going to, you know, fix some of this stuff. I said, you know what? I said, you're asking a conference to do something that a conference can't do. All the conference can do is give you information. It can't make you live it. Living what you know, that's your problem. That's your issue. That, that's Bible application. That's why he says, incline your ear and apply your heart to understanding. The snow drifts around my house the last, uh, the last couple of years have just done a number on my fence, on my wind fence. And I know all you guys are going to drive down the bridge and go look at it now when you're going on your way home. It's crooked, it's out, it's out of whack, all kinds of things. And you know, I've got some materials, I got some stuff. But, but suppose I said to you, you know, man, my, my, uh, my, my fence is just, it's just really, it's just really rough. And you were to say to me, well, what have you done about it? Well, I got some tools. I got, I got a, I got a couple of shovels. I got a six foot digging bar. I got post hole diggers. I got, you know, I, I, I got some, I got some tools. I threw them in the back of the pickup. But every time I look out the window, that, that, that fence, just, it just looks the same. Lance would say to me, you idiot, get the tools out there and do something with it. Right. Okay, that, that's Bible application. It's taking the tools God gives you and applying it to your life. Because nobody gets delivered from sin and temptation simply by information. That's just the start. What we need is spiritual surgery. We need truths that, that cut through our blindness and, and pierce our hard hearts and, and kick our spiritual laziness. So we receive the Word, we treasure the Word, and then we incline our ear, we're attentive, and apply our heart to understanding. We say, this is what God says, this is what I need to do. 
So reading the Bible is a wonderful start. And you've got to be reading the Bible. You just have to be reading the Bible. But reading alone is not enough to feed and purify our souls. When we invest more in our reading and we apply God's words, they begin to have their full effect in our hearts and lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. Because heart change will not happen until we begin to apply God's words. Remember I've said to you, 500 times, if you want to change your life, you've got to change your choices. And if you're going to change your choices, you have to change your thinking. That's heart change. And that will not happen until you read the Word, and you begin to memorize the Word, and then you apply the Word. You actually do what the Word is saying. About 25 years ago, I was at a cattle branding and. Some fellow I'd never met before, uh, somebody, I saw him whispering to somebody and they were kind of pointing to me. I figured he was wondering who I was and he walks over to me and he says, so you're a preacher. I thought, oh boy, what's coming next? I said, yes, I am. Up in heart you. Yeah, yeah, I am. Well, you know, I read the Bible once and it didn't do a thing for me. And I said, well, did you just read it or did you actually do what it said? He looked at me, oh, because I said, if all you do is read it, it won't do a thing for you until you do what it says. You do what it says and it'll change your life. Oh, he turned around and walked away. I wasn't that dramatic when I said that to him, but, but yeah, but that, but that's the thing. Well, I read the Bible, it didn't do anything for me. You know what? It won't until you apply it. Because you cannot be delivered from sin and temptation simply by information. You have to apply it to your life. You have to do what it says. And reading is the beginning. You have to read it. But you've got to go further than that. You've got to apply it to your life. You've got to become familiar with what the passages say. And you've got to say, this is what the Bible says, so this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live. This is how I'm going to respond. This is what my life is going to look like because I see what the Bible says. That's Bible application. Then the fourth means of gaining wisdom, ask God. That seems so obvious. But in verse 3, he says, Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek for her as silver, search for his hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. We should talk about those verses in just a second. But first, ask God. You cry out. And lift up your voice. You see, if we are reading our Bibles and becoming more familiar with our Bibles, we should also be asking God for wisdom. That's all over the place in Scripture. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. James writes in James 1, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Seems obvious, but here Solomon says it to us. Cry out and lift up your voice. Ask for wisdom. So I've told folks for the last 36 years, read your Bible, ask God to open your heart to see what's there, ask God to show you what He wants you to do, ask God to teach you through it, He will show you. So you read your Bible, you learn some verses, you apply it to your life, you cry out to God asking for help. And then number five, the fifth means of gaining wisdom is to be committed you got to be committed. Verse 4. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, 
Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and so forth. I said a couple of weeks ago, maybe said it to you again today, that it takes diligence and dedication and determination to learn wisdom. It doesn't fall out of the sky and knock you in the head as you're, as you're walking down the road one day. And then you suddenly, miraculously, have been infused with all the skills you need for godly living. No, it's not an experience. It is a process. You are committed to learning wisdom. So you search for it like hidden treasure. He said, seek and search. Seek her as silver. Search for her like hidden treasure. And then if you meet the conditions, notice verse 1 says, if you receive. Verse 3 says, if you cry out. Verse 4 says, if you seek her as silver. you got the three ifs there. If, if, if. If you meet the conditions, then we see the result. Verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You want wisdom? Solomon says, my son, this is how you get it. You saturate your mind with the Scripture. You apply it to your life. You do what it says. You ask God to help you and teach you. And you stay committed to that. And you will gain wisdom. If you do those things, Solomon said, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And you will find the knowledge of God. So what are the benefits of wisdom? He said, this is how we get it. So then Solomon says, this is what the benefits are. When our wise Professor Solomon explains in the rest of his lecture uh, what all these benefits are. And remember, our, our definition of wisdom is simply having the skills to live a godly life. If we gain wisdom, what will life look like? Now I have taken in an effort to try to simplify, I have taken the next 17 verses and I have condensed them into three words. Now, we'll expand on them because I'm going to read you the three words and that's not the end of the message. Okay, but, we'll, but I'll give you those, those three words and then we will expand on what they are. The three words are this. Relationship, protection, and blessing. That's what life will look like if you gain wisdom. Relationship, and it's with God. Protection, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And Blessing. So let's read the rest of the text. You'll see some of that naturally unfolding there. And then we'll kind of unpack that. Let's begin to read in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, having from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the ways of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. First word, relationship. 
We understand the fear of the Lord. We find the knowledge of God. He says in verse 5, So our relationship with the Lord grows and deepens. And when you look at those next verses, I thought, what, what beautiful pictures of all of the things that God does for us, or does for us, or does on our behalf. He gives wisdom, he says in verse 6. He teaches us. He guides us. He's our shield. He guards the path of justice. He preserves the pathway or the way of His saints, meaning those who are following Him, His holy ones. We come to understand righteousness and justice and equity. The word equity simply means the straight path. It's not doesn't mean the, the definition that modern political scientists have put on the word equity. Equity simply means the straight path. We understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good way. He said in verse 9. And all of this comes to us because our relationship with the Lord is better than it has ever been. We have been seeking wisdom and God has been teaching us. He has become our mentor, our instructor, our guide, our protector, our provider, our overseer. And in our seeking of wisdom, we have gained so much more than just wisdom. We have gained a deeper relationship with God Himself. One of the benefits of seeking wisdom, your relationship with God will be better than it has ever been in your life. And it will continue to grow all the way to the end. Some of you know my mother lived to be almost 85, 84, and she was sharing things with me that uh, God was showing her from passages in the Old Testament. Just... A month before she passed away. And I thought, you know, that, was, that just was a real blessing to me. Mom came to Christ when she was a child. She had, she'd been serving in churches, playing the piano from the time she was 14 to the time she was 84. 70 years she played the churches in piano. She read her Bible through many times. She was very, very faithful to the things of the Lord. But here at 84 years old, she's still seeing cool things in the Bible that wowed her that she wanted to share with me. Why? Because she's seeking wisdom from God. And her relationship with God keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Our second word, protection. Verse 10 and 11 says, When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. Now, I do not mean, when we use the word protection, I do not mean that your car will never break down. Your tire will never go flat. You'll never hit a deer. You'll never get sick. You'll never get hurt. You'll always have enough money. That is not what I mean by protection. Some people use protection that way. But you know that this sort of, that that sort of idea is, is nonsense from the Bible's viewpoint. We live in a sin-cursed world. Our physical bodies are cursed by sin. We have problems. We get sick. The wind blows things off our houses. The machines we own break down, etc., etc. What our text is speaking of, what Solomon is teaching, is that when we have learned wisdom from God and we are applying it to our lives, we will be protected from making stupid choices. We will be delivered, he says, from two kinds of people. He says, first of all, in verse 12, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. See, so we're going to be delivered from people who speak perverse things. Perverse meaning crooked and twisted and evil things. And they do wicked things. 
And I looked through those verses. I looked at verse 14. I said, wow, they rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked. Isn't that a picture of our society in so many quarters today? They think it's fun to curse God. They think it's a real laugh to do wicked things. They delight in the perversity of the wicked. And they leave the paths of uprightness. And they walk in the ways of evil. And Solomon says to his son, My son, if you have learned wisdom, you will be protected from people like that. Why will you be protected or delivered from people like that? Because you'll have enough spiritual sense to stay away from them. God has given us wisdom. And he says, and he says you can be delivered from this stuff if you have gained wisdom from God. And then he mentions in verse 16 to 19, he talks about the, the immoral woman. He's got the perverse man and now the immoral woman. Interestingly, this immoral woman, this phrase here, is mentioned five more times in the book of Proverbs. We're going to see her again several times as we go through our series. And what interested me, or was so interesting about this, verse 16, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress, who flatters with her words, etc., etc. And as you look at the rest of the passages in those other five passages in, in Solomon's teaching, where he talks about the, the immoral woman, he says, almost, he says the same thing almost every time. He says that she seduces men, not with her looks, but with her words. We won't take the time to look up all the passages today because we're going to see her again in coming weeks. But Solomon describes her words as smooth and flattering and sweet. He says her lips drip with honey and her words are smoother than oil. She's sweet and smooth and, and deadly. And Solomon says, my son, if you let her get to you, you're toast. Literally. He said her paths lead to the dead. Her paths lead to the dead. And so when we have learned wisdom from God, we will be protected from making stupid choices and from getting mixed up with perverse men and immoral women. And then our third word, blessing. Hebrew students tell us that this entire chapter, this entire lecture by Solomon, it is all one sentence kind of broken up into various parts. There are specific word order patterns that are repeated through the teaching. And, and to the Hebrew mind, it's quite a beautiful and precisely structured teaching. We started out in those first three verses with the if section, the conditions. Then we had the, the then section. If we meet the conditions, then we see the results. Now we have the so section starting in verse 20, the reward of gaining wisdom. You got if, if you meet the conditions, then you'll see the results, then eventually you reap the reward, the if, the then, and the so. You start out with Bible intake, Bible memory, Bible application, asking God and being committed. You end up walking in the way of goodness and staying on the path of righteousness and dwelling in the path. Let's read those verses. So you may walk in the way of goodness, keep to the paths of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. See, when you walk in the way of goodness, and you stay on the path of righteousness, and you're dwelling in the land and remaining in it, those are all pictures of stability. You're settled. You're peaceful. You're secure. You're steady. You're stable. You're blessed. 
Because there's doubt and uncertainty and insecurity in the lives of those who are not faithful to the things of God. And I could tell you a million stories, and some of you probably could as well, of, of people who are struggling with security and uncertainty and doubt because they are not being faithful to the things of God. And here Solomon says, you want the blessing of God? You can be, you can live a life where you are settled, you are peaceful, you are secure, you're steady, you're stable, you're blessed. That's the reward of wisdom, the so part of the if, then, and so. So do you want wisdom? You can get it if you are committed to finding it in the scriptures. You won't find it outside the scriptures, but you got to find it in the scriptures. There was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ I read about uh, recently who was a farmer and uh, was doing well in his farming and successful in his farming. He, he always had this question mark in his heart, wondering if God wanted him to be an evangelist. Year after year, he kept farming till one day he was took a break, got off the tractor, was eating his lunch under a tree on, in, in the shade at the edge of his field. And he looked up in the sky, and it was this, this blue, blue sky except for two clouds. And those two clouds seemed to move around, and they formed what looked like to him the letters P-C. And he thought, man, that's it! God wants me to preach Christ. There it is, P-C. So he started doing some preaching in some area churches. It turned out, I guess, that he was a terrible preacher. And after several weeks, one of his good friends and neighbors who knew about his experience with the clouds came up to him after the sermon and kind of threw his arms around him and he whispered in his ear. He said, my dear brother, are you sure the Lord wasn't trying to tell you to plant corn? <laughs> hey folks, you want wisdom? Don't look at the clouds. Okay? You want wisdom? Look at the scriptures. Receive God's Word. Memorize God's Word. Apply God's Word. Ask God for it. Be committed. Over time, you will be rewarded with a deeper relationship with the Lord and protection from foolish, sinful choices and the, the blessing of peace and security and stability in your life. Why? Because you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Lord, every human being on this earth is cursed with sin. We're all in need of your forgiveness. And Lord, we who have come to you for salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are always in need of your guidance. Lord, we always need more wisdom. This world and the various decisions and life situations that, that, that we are faced with can be so confusing and so complex we don't know what to do. We don't know which direction to go. And Lord, I just pray that you will help us to get a grip on what it takes to actually gain wisdom from God. And then, Lord, may we do it. May we apply this passage of Scripture to our lives. Lord, we want to have peace and security and stability. We want to be able to, 
to, uh, to witness for you and to counsel people and encourage people and love people from a position of peace and security and stability in all that you are and all that you have done. We want to have wisdom from God. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be committed to seeking it and searching for it and finding it. Lord, in a room full of people this, this large, I, I know, Lord, that there may be someone here today who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They maybe know about Jesus, but they don't really know Him. They may know a few things about the Bible, but they don't really know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray, Lord, that we will have opportunity to speak with them and that they will seek the Lord and seek His forgiveness. And Lord, I also know that here among our folks, there are folks with all kinds of struggles. Some people have health problems. Some people have financial problems. Some people have relationship problems. Some people have business struggles. What a challenging year last year was and it continues to be this year in, in so many of those areas. Lord, we, we need your wisdom. We need you to help us. We need you to guide us. May we, Lord, be, be searching diligently. May we be committed, crying out to you for help and reading the scriptures and applying it to our lives. Help us, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.